Hello and welcome to The Haunted. This is episode 21. You think? You're not sure. I hope. If not, we... <laughs> and I don't know. If not, skip an episode. I just turn up. And it, it'll all work out. Yeah, Vanessa turns up and hopes for the best. But anyway, I'm Freddie Young. And I'm Vanessa Mitchell. And we have... Uh, a part two. Part two. A reoccurring guest with us today. Um, a very, very interesting man. And a man we had to get back sooner rather than later. It's the young Simon Ludgate. Hello, Simon. Hello, it's your recurring bad dream. Me. <laughs> He's back again, guys. Um, obviously, uh, previous show, we spoke a lot about Simon's uh, gifts, abilities. Um, his work that and, he does in the paranormal world. And he's kind of, we briefly touched on his journey there. So we spoke um, when you visited the disaster zones and was doing the photography and stuff. We we touched on your journey to how you got to be where you are now. But this time around, we're going to let Simon take a bit of a breather and not recall his whole biography for us. And we're going to just kind of have a look at some, you know, some, some well-known cases, some personal experiences. From Simon. Simon's spent many years, as you know, investigating um, the paranormal. Um, so we're going to, for this episode, let him talk us through some of the um, best experiences he's had, best paranormal experiences. Um, haunted locations and his experiences. So basically, we're calling this episode Ghost Stories of Simon Ludgate. It's an easy listening show, and I think sometimes we interview and really get deep into things, but this one's going to be easy going, and we're just going to talk about some really good ghost stories. Some you may have heard of, some you may not have, but this is all from Simon Ludgate's viewpoint. I mean, obviously, me and Freddie will pitch in and ask questions while Simon's talking, but it's going to be a good show. Yeah, so... Without further ado, let's head on over to Simon. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello again. Hello. Um, thank you for coming back on. Um, we're really looking forward to it. So, obviously, before we before we came live, uh, well, say live, before we started recording, Vanessa touched briefly with you about your involvement with a uh, paranormal TV show called Ghost Next Door. Am I right in saying that? That's right. Yes, we. Um, it's something that I formulated... Uh, about four years ago originally when I was walking around um, one of the lakes in the Lake District with my friend Ed Simons who turned who um, produced the first series for That's TV um, and we were chatting about me wanting to do a ghost series and he said um, well from what you're saying because you want to do local ghosts we should call it Ghost Next Door and I went oh it's a brilliant name and, th and that's how it stuck and it's uh, it's now you know become Ghost Next Door. We did um, twelve parts in the first series, um, which I uh, presented, shot, directed, wrote, and edited, <laughs> and uh, made the tea. So the, the credits and, uh, is a just very very involved, committed experience. Um, very different from what I usually do, where I have you know like a massive team and. Um, I just concentrate on the writing and then the directing. Right, Simon, we were talking uh, 
I'm just going to interject here because something else, it seems like a good point to interject. Something else me and Freddie were talking about was we'd like you on this episode, and it seems like it's a good time now, to talk to us briefly about the shows you have done before. Because people might not necessarily know because you did a Top Gear, didn't you? You're did, you did, you were very experienced in your field of work. I know you did work with Ni Nigella Lawson. So can you give us like a brief a couple of minutes on your back story of your professional life? I'll try. Um, I started off in life as a journalist and decided that directing was more interesting. So I hired myself as a director when I had a little production company. <laughs> and uh, that's how it started. And that was about 25 years ago. And since then, I've worked for all the major broadcasters like the BBC, ITV, Channel 4, um, Sky, and the science um, uh, channels like... Uh, Nat Geo, Discovery, and um, have made lots of science programs. And so that meant traveling around the world a lot, saw lots of um, tsunami, or the, you know, the results of lots of tsunami, and um, lots of disasters, uh, natural disasters like volcanoes. Because I got a, a big, I specialized in, in the earth. I've always been really interested in the earth. I'm very connected to the earth shamanically. And so that became a really natural thing to do, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I learned a lot about the Earth and interesting things like, you know, scientific things like electromagnetism, how it affects people and how it affects the Earth. And uh, get, got a real insight into the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And that really helped as my grounding for the person that I've become, I suppose. And in my travels, we went to a lot of spooky places um, all around the world. And um, I have seen some very strange things and experienced some very strange things. So that's kind of me. That's, that's, um, that's my background. Yeah, I, I worked for Top Gear as a director um, quite a while ago now. Um, that was huge fun. Um, and I've worked for other kind of strands like DIY, SOS and um, probably lots of others, and I'm struggling to remember what they all were now. I remember um, you texting me once from the desert somewhere when you were doing Nigella Lawson's cooking show or something, and I you oh, did yeah. that in Arizona or God knows somewhere. You said it's baking or I'm trying to do this cooking show, and you were texting me from some far flung place in America, yeah. Nigella Lawson. Yeah. yeah. So you've done a bit. You know what you're doing. He's not. Yep. He's not a silly. He's a. He's, he's not a, silly he's a, boy. He's a very experienced person. Yeah. So, and you still have projects on the go now, don't you? You still have things in the pipeline and things that are going on. Yeah. Um, now it's more. Well, there's another series of uh, Ghost Next Door in the pipeline, but behind that, there are five movies, feature films. That, um, in fact, after um, we've had our chat, I've got to speak to the producer to see where we are because um, he might be telling me something quite amazing. Yay. Then we like a bit yeah. of good news. A bit of good yeah. news. Yeah. So, ghost stories, Simon. Talk us through. Ghost stories. So, you you mentioned um, that you've been to some weird and wonderful places and have seen some yes. weird and wonderful things. Now, how weird, how wonderful? Um, well, uh, very weird and very wonderful. Um I think the one that I'd like to start with was something that um, Vanessa knows about and we kind of compared notes about it because we had a conversation quite a while ago um, about 
the cage and, and Vanessa's experiences there. And Vanessa asked me if I knew about any other spooky places because she was doing a um, series of Channel 4, well, I mean, the drama series on um, Channel 4 called, um, was it called True Horror? True, True Horror, Horror, yeah. yeah. True Horror. And um, Vanessa said, do you know any um, any other places? And I said, well, funny you should say that, but yeah, I do. Um, you really should do um, the story of the farmhouse at Hale Fanog. Now, Hale Fanog, H-E-O-L-F-A-N-O-G, is Welsh for Road to the Mountains. And there is this farmhouse on the Road to the Mountain, just above Brecon in, in Wales, um, that has been there for several hundred years. And a friend of mine told me about it and said, you really should go there. Um, so I started looking into it. And the more I read about it, the creeper it was. And there was this book um, that a guy had written about it, sort of a factual book about the experiences of um, Bill and Liz Rich, who bought the uh, place in about 1985, I think it was. And it was the story about their 10 years there and, and what happened to them. And their story was all about um, seeing things, um, feeling things, seeing demons, hearing crashing boots um, above their heads. And when Liz was pregnant, and I've, I've got to know Liz really well, I mean, she's become a really good friend since because I went to see her. Um, she, when she was pregnant, things like um, she'd hear voices, she'd see things, um, the doors would all suddenly smash shut at some... Um, random times and when they were having the radiators done they kept on jumping off the walls and the guy would come round he'd put them on the walls screw them down come back the next day they're off the wall again on the floor she wasn't doing it and they stopped it happening by using great big cross-headed screws that had the shape of a cross on them oh, and when wow. they used those when they used those, it stopped happening. And I think the most extraordinary part about her story was they were using massive amounts of electricity. But I remember this was 1986, seven, eight. And this is, this is something that I've come across in, in haunted places before, where they were getting a bill for like 700 pounds a month for Lord. their electricity. Hey, that's an extortion so amount is now, isn't it? Like... Yeah, yeah. And um, so she got, um, I think it was Swalick, um, um, South Wales Electricity Company, to come and look at it. And the guy came and looked at it, and it was, and the meter was literally before him was spinning around like the numbers on the electricity meter was spinning around. I mean, like freakishly fast. Hence the massive bill because it was mechanically yeah. whizzing mm. around. And Liz said to him, "See," and he said, um, "See what?" He said. You can see the thing going around. He said, if I go back and tell my bosses what I've just seen, I'll get fired because they'll think I'm lying. They'll think I've gone nuts. She said, um, but what are you going to do about it? He said, I'll change it because it's probably faulty. So he changed it. Exactly the same thing happened. Yeah. And I think he came back a third time. And eventually they they just um, they gave up and gave them a credit. So we can't understand it. They carried on spinning around. So I, I, went, I went there myself and... It was really hard to find because it's not on the map. It doesn't really have an address. It's just um, uh, I knew vaguely where it was. And I tracked down the 
owner, the current owner, as far as I could tell, um, who was a member of the local council. And the reason I found him was because he'd applied to have a uh, order um, to build, um, and he'd been turned down because there were bats living in the place. Mm. How ironic is that? <laughs> and I rang up his... I, he, I couldn't get hold of him, and I rang up his neighbour who I could see on the on the map was like 300 metres away and said, do you ever pop into Hailfanog to see um, the guy who owns it? He went, and she said, no, no, I'll never go that way. I said, well, it's 300 metres from you. She said, no, I always turn left out of the house and go down to Brecon. I said, well, you couldn't just pop up and ask him if it'd be all right if I pop round, could you? She said, no, I, I, I never go that way. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to go near that house. And um, anyway... Hopefully this guy is, isn't listening because um, my um, my friend and I, Jenny, Jenny Mackay, who um, is a co-presenter on Ghost Next Door now, this is before we did Ghost Next Door, and I drove to Wales, found this place um, after a lot of uh, guesswork, but we found it, and as we were driving towards it, we both had a really bad feeling, like a really heavy um, bad feeling in our guts um, and it just got worse the closer we got and it was like it was surrounded by water you know it's like it had this thing around it, it had a sort of an atmosphere that it made it hard to breathe but mm. both of us felt the same way mm. and we stopped outside it and had a look around walked in and I could see by the um, sort of the state of the place that no one had been there for a while I mean there were leaves all over the paths, they were all built up around the front door. It looked like nobody had been there for months. Rang, rang, knocked on the door, um, nobody there. I could hear something inside. I could hear, I mean, I thought it was the wind, but I could hear moaning hmm. um, and, and, and a voice. And I thought, oh God, somebody's, maybe they've had a heart attack or they're in, they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And we went, we went around, I mean, we, you know, we went round and looked in all the windows. It's very naughty because it's technically a trespass, but I was worried that somebody was, you know, seriously in trouble inside because I could hear this moaning. It was daylight, the middle of the day, and we, and we filmed it. And um, we walked around this place, and oh, it was just horrible. It's a converted barn. I mean, it's quite smart now. Um, and um, looks nice, but it, I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to leave, and, and we went round the back, and there was this. There were, there were the ruins of um, what turned out to be an old monastery. Okay. And I subsequently learned that the um, they had used the um, headstones out of the little graveyard that was around the monastery to build the... and and the stones of the um, of the monastery as flagstones in this place when it was built so they were essentially living and walking on graves uh, gravestones yeah yeah Crazy. I mean, and then you wonder why things go wrong yeah and um, we um, walked around the back and um, sort of hung out for a while and um, the moaning inside stopped and we left. And it's, it's, it's not sort of like a kind of spooky thing coming out of a closet going boo sort of story, but it was so strange. I mean, so Simon, of... the story that um, on Channel 4 that people can watch, um, 
in that there was it was very much featured on her husband who was an artist who uh was getting possessed or something like that um this is on the true horror the hour show we're talking about you can probably catch it on 4od something like that um what what was your take on that that's that your personal take on it because I know you, like you say you got friends with his wife afterwards well you know because he was experiencing stuff as well what type of haunting do you th- do you think it was in your in your expertise in these things demonic yeah that's sh- certainly how it presented itself on the show I would say yeah that how they yeah. portrayed it that there was a um a portal that had been opened up that had probably been there for since the place was built and you know it was to do with the land that it was built on as well and i know that um one farmhand murdered another one there with a pickaxe handle um about 200 years ago and um but that's that's the only the only one i know about but the place just felt like it was full of evil spirits yeah. and malevolence and it was not a happy place to be it was it was not a welcoming place how liz lived there for 10 years i don't know but she said that when they first moved in it felt lovely and they were really excited because, you know, they had the chance to sort of do up a lovely um, Welsh mm. barn and make it into a home. But it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, and the connection to demons was, was actually being posi- actively encouraged by somebody. Yeah. Now, is, um, is Liz happy now? She's... She's yes. away from there. Did she take anything with her or did she, you know, she left an no, and No, I, I don't think and... she did. I mean, um, I, I went to meet her in her current home, um, which is about six miles away f- from it, as far, as far as I can remember. It wasn't that far. And no, she's fine. I mean, her house now is lovely. She's lovely, full of, full of sunlight and so there wasn't an attachment that followed her or anything it was just obviously that land and when she left it she was fine afterwards nothing followed her um no it didn't um but um she showed me the paintings that her husband did while they lived there because he was a bit of an, a sort of a, a bit of an artist and they were very strange I mean, they were sort of surreal kind of um weird pictures of elephants and sort of doing odd things like standing on a table with a tree it's kind of um i think he was sort of influenced by um salvador dali type thing sort of yeah um and and i don't know what she's done with them now but when i when i went to the house she uh, she still had them um and we looked through them i thought they were very um, what happened to the husband did he move with liz no they split up and then he died ah okay Right, that's a, a well-documented good story. And it's a story that you can go and watch yourself. Yeah, you can, you can, and, and you can make you your can own mind up that. on that. So, yeah, um, it's a great film. The, the, that's the whole series I thought was fantastic. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Channel 4, True Horrors. True Horrors. There was four made. Um, I think your, your one, one and, and this one and were the one, best yeah. ones. Well, my one was the yeah. best. That one was the second best. Okay, okay. And even Simon says that. <laughs> we'll, we'll take that. We'll take that. Simon, I've seen you on a TV show, and um, I can't remember which one it is. And you were sitting in a big, like, four poster bed in, like, a room with beams, and, and I can't remember the bloody show. 
Um, and I think it was a haunted hotel somewhere. Well, I've done that. I, I was interviewed on um, the, the same thing that you did. Um, yeah, that was like, Great British Ghosts. Was, was what? Great British Ghosts. Great British Ghosts, Years yeah. ago, yeah. And I was sitting on a four-poster bed for that. I think we were at the um, uh, um, George and Pilgrims in um, Glastonbury. Talk to that. us about that, because, again, that's one that our listeners can Google and that they can watch this episode. Right, so. well... Um, I had the most extraordinary experiences there. Um, it's the Georgian Pilgrims is, I believe, if not the oldest um, documented um, pub and hostelry in Britain. It's certainly one of the oldest. I think it's um, 12th century, and it's made of sandstone, like a lot of buildings in in, uh, in um, Wiltshire and Somerset. And it's so old that it's all kind of worn away. Mm. And the first time I went there. It, it, it was right at the beginning of my sort of spiritual journey, and I was very curious about Glastonbury and the tour, um, which I love, which is a very special place for me. And I stayed in this hotel, and it's really spooky. And um, it was when I was really getting into taking pictures of orbs, yeah. you know, like with a, with a flash camera. And I was staying in the King Henry VIII suite, because what happened, but a bit of history about this hotel is that um, Henry VIII um, wants to get rid of all the Anglican um, uh, churches and monasteries and all the Anglican people because he wants to do a deal with the um, Roman Catholic Church. So he killed them all and he, he kind of got them to all confess and told them they were heretics. And they used this hotel to um, torture and get confessions from all Jesus. the nuns Jesus. and the um, um, monks at... Um, Glastonbury Abbey yeah and he actually apparently um although he wasn't there himself he had the um um abbot whose name was Michael Michael Whiting I think hanged on the tour yeah I've, um, yeah yeah and um they they tortured the nuns and the monks in this in this hotel and, it, and they still have you know the nuns room and the monks room and all that kind of thing you, you can stay in them and I was staying in the Henry VIII room with the, with the four-poster bed. I couldn't sleep. The place was so active. I'm like, it was like it was like having a room full of people. Yeah. Um, and you just knowing that they're there. It's just like there's no way I'm going to sleep tonight. So I started taking pictures, and the place was full of orbs. I mean, just moving around, changing, but dozens of them. Mm. And I'd never seen anything like it. And I was so scared. I was actually shaking and sweating at the same time because I'd never really experienced this before. And I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And mm. I still got all the pictures. I took, I, I don't know, I took 50 pictures, I think. And there were black shadows on the walls that were changing. Um, I was taking like five pictures of, of, a, of a wall, um, um, like a painted wall. And you could see these black shadows moving around in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there, there were these orbs, like big ones and little ones, moving around the room and different colours as well. And I didn't sleep a wink. I did not sleep a wink. I was, I was awake all night. I was still awake at 8 o'clock in the morning and I was still taking pictures of the orbs. And that was the Henry the Henry Eighth room. Um, and if you go and stay in that hotel, it's, it's a real experience because it is genuinely properly old, as I've mentioned. And right in the heart of Glastonbury, and you can walk out into the centre of Glastonbury, and the Abbey is 100 metres up the road. And then the tour is, you know, um, half a mile away. And um, that was really, really spooky, really freaky. 
Simon, for you, what's your most out of famous movies, out of famous ghost stories? So, of course, um, we've got a range, everything from Anne and Deville, The Conjuring, there's so many. What for you rings the most true or is authentic? Real, you know, with not too much movie glitz and glamour poetic license. What rings what rings most true? Yeah. Which one do you think is the most um real and genuine? Or, or honest and... or honest to the real story. So minus the, the Hollywood um, spinning round and Yeah. Or in a sense your favourite, you know. I, do you know actually I think the most one of the scariest films, and in a way the most credible, was The Nun. You see, I thought it was... Too, I, I watched that? it and I didn't I didn't get it. I, I thought it was a bit too fantastical for me. I like it very un, more understated than that, The Nun. Uh, Are you talking off the, the real, genuine story? Um, no, they made it up, but they shot it in Romania. Mm. And... There's a whole program about Romania to talk about because Romania is is R Romania and Transylvania. Uh, I've never been there, but um, that it's an ex it's an extraordinary place, and I know some people who are Transylvanian um, and Romanian. There's there's, there's a wood in in uh, Transylvania called Batu Forest, Hoya Batu Forest, mm. and all the trees in it grow sideways. Oh, they I've seen I've seen pictures of this. Right, they come out. They're like scimitars. They come out and they and they completely curved. And, and the, and the locals will not go in there at night. None what? of them. You know, um, a friend of mine went there and she wanted to spend the night. And but the, her guide would not do that. And she said, and he said, nobody, nobody in the locals will. I mean, they they still have wolves in in Transylvania. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, in in the mountains. Um, so did they think it's genuinely haunted? Then this this. Forest, oh, the, the, the locals are absolutely convinced it is, and they, yeah. they think that it's a landing place for spirits and, and UFOs as well. I mean, that's a bit of a left field one, but they seem to think that it's um. But listen, UFOs. they live locally; they know better than we do, and yeah. uh, I'll trust yeah. the locals. I yeah. think on yeah. that one. But but the, the the nun had a had a. I mean, I I found it a really scary film, and and most things like. Um, um, Annabelle, I think, is although it's done incredibly well at the cinema, that that series is a bit of a, a bit of a, a liberty, because yeah. um, it was originally based on a little house in um, Green Lanes in Enfield, which I went to a couple of years ago, <laughs> and um, it's not it's not when I went there, there was a Ghanaian family living there, and they had. Um, that on the window, they had Jesus lives here. No, that's the Enfield window. Haunting House, isn't it? Not yeah, Annabelle. It Annabelle was the doll that, house. That's, pardon? Annabelle, the movie, was about the doll, wasn't it? The possessed doll. No, Annabelle originally was set in that house. It was it was based on the same story as the Enfield Oh, Park. really? Okay. I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was trivia. about the house. And um, when, um, you know, when uh, uh, the Warrens... Um, uh, they built this whole thing about sort of the house and getting trapped and fighting their way out and the doll and um, almost drowning in the cellar and things like that. That was that house. And it was based on the Enfield hauntings, which the Daily Express did all that stuff. Was it mm. Daily Express? Daily, Daily Express in, in the 1970s, 1960s, wasn't it? Um, and um, the Enfield hauntings, which they, that program they made about, which I thought was really, really good. Um, was based on the same place. Anyway, I went there, 
and I um, went up and knocked on the front door and said, can I come in? And the lady went, no, I'm really sorry. And I said, well, I, I won't be any trouble. I just wanted to get inside. And she said, no, because um, if my daughter, she wants to know why you're here. And they don't know anything about, because she knew about the history of the house. They'd obviously take it. They probably got, got it cheap. Um, yeah. And um, good luck to them. Um, and she was lovely. But the house itself, again, it's just, the, the weird thing is that the commonality about all these places that I go to is they're all sitting in like a jelly. They all sit in a kind of lump of energy yeah. and have a thing around them. And you can you can see it, can't you? Yeah. Like that. You walk up to the house and you go, Whoa, no, I, oh, I don't like that at all. Still go in. Um, <laughs> and um, so I hung around and I, I took some readings in the street with my electromagnetic field meter, which is, you've seen that, um, Vanessa, yeah. that thing that has the, you know, the meter on yeah. it. And it measures electromagnetic fields. And as you got near the house, the needle went, whoa! Mm. Didn't did next door, or, or the um, yeah. houses further upstream. That house, as I got closer to it, the needle went nuts. And I, and I waited till it got dark and then took some pictures. And guess what? There were loads of orbs around it. Yeah. Again. So but it's, it's, um, it's really interesting to go to. Uh, I think it's. Um, should we get, should we say the number? I mean, they probably wouldn't appreciate. Oh, no, because they, they might they might be mobbed. Mind you, we're bigging ourselves up. That many people don't <laughs> listen to our podcast. There'll be two hundred fifty thousand people, people yeah, stood in the road tomorrow oh, morning. It's, it's amazing to see this place because, as I say, the, the whole animal franchise was based on the Enfield hauntings, which is see, I did not know house. that. And that's where it all started from. And apparently, the Warrens went there for about ten minutes. I mean, it's like a yeah. Apparently, they that they literally was in and out of there just to say they'd been. And, uh, you know, the yeah, movie portrayed them with yeah. their days. So, I mean, I want to spin off. Now I've got... I said this to Freddie last time. I didn't talk to you about this, and I wanted to. You told me years ago <clears throat> you were searching the Bermuda Triangle and you flew across it. Yes, Now, that is in the category of the unusual and the unexplained. So give us... Tell us that, because you actually... You told me that what you said was... I've gone in a light aircraft across a Bermuda Triangle, and I'm like, "What well, you deranged?" And he said, "Well, no, I've got to investigate it. I've just got to go and see what happens." And I'm like, "What?" Well, it, and it, it wasn't just any old plane either, because we found um, an Avenger bomber, which was the Flight 19 flight, the the naval flight of um, Grumman um, Avenger bombers that disappeared. That the famous Flight 19 yeah. featured at the beginning of um, Close Encounters when they. They find all those planes parked in that du in that dust, um, that sandstorm in the desert, and they're just parked and they're perfectly preserved, and um, they can't explain why they're there. It's that story, because those guys disappeared um, um, over the um, what what's called the Bermuda Triangle, which which sort of runs between um, uh, Grand Bahama, uh, Fort Lauderdale, and um, um, Costa Rica. In a, in a triangle and we thought that it'd be really interesting to get one of those Grumman bombers to find one that had been um, restored and fl fly the same route as them and see what happened. <laughs> uh, what is so weird about it was that it, we took off at the same time, which was, I think was 10 past two in the afternoon from Fort Lauderdale and then we flew down to um, Chicken Shoals Islands where they were doing a bombing practice which is where it all started going wrong for them. And you never believe this, but it all started going wrong for us as well. Go on, say. We weren't using like a modern um, 
GPS. We'd switched it off. I mean, the plane had one, but we'd switched it off, and the guy was just flying on um, compass time and speed and ready reckoning, which is what they used to do to get his permission. And I had cameras all over the plane. Um, I was sitting in the um, navigator's thing behind him um, in a kind of glass um, cockpit. And the pilot said, um, I don't know where I am. What? And the um, one of the instruments in the plane, which is used to measure whether or not you're sliding sideways, jammed. And I said to the chase plane, who was filming us, because my cameraman was in another plane mm -hmm. following us all the time with, with the camera sticking out the side door filming me. I, I said to them, um, our instruments are, are playing up. And the, and the other pilot said, well, weirdly, so are ours. So we flew, we flew on a bit. And um, what I did realise was how, how everything does look the same because the transcripts from the, um, the radio uh, calls that they did get from the original um, crew, from the original um, flight... They said, um, we don't know where we are and everything looks the same. And it does. You know, the sort of the sky becomes the um, the sea, um, the islands all look the same. And we flew along for a bit, flew over some other islands. We actually genuinely didn't know where we were. And I said, look, we're going to have we're going to have to switch on the, um, the GPS. Otherwise, we're going to get lost as well. And he switched it on and we were 100 miles away from where he thought we were. Really? We flew on, I mean, we flew for five hours, we flew right round, we went, went over Grand Bahama and then f flew back towards Fort Lauderdale. And for me, the weirdest thing of the whole thing was I looked up and I saw five, I promise you, I, I, I wasn't mistaken because I looked really carefully, I saw five silver, what I thought were jet, jet fighters doing circles above me like, like the Olympic rings. Yeah, like five of them going like this all at once, and I thought, why are they doing that? And I, and also they were at about. I mean, we were at about um, twenty thousand feet, maybe fifteen thousand feet, and they were at um, must have been seventy, eighty thousand feet. They were right up in the sky. Yeah, they that's high. They didn't even have um, jet trails behind them, and they were whizzing around so fast. I was looking, thinking. I'm looking at UFOs. Those aren't yeah. planes. There's, yeah. there's nothing that behaves like that, that fast, at that height, without leaving a vapour trail. And then suddenly, they disappeared. I was looking at them, and they disappeared while I was looking at them. That's crazy. Simon, do you think then the whole um, Bermuda Triangle thing, it is, it is alien uh, at work? Uh, what, what do you think? Obviously, you researched it, you've done the test part, you know, what, what do you think? Well, um... That area was supposed to be where um, um, the lost city of Atlantis was. Ah, that's fascinating. And I didn't know they that. they think that they have found the lost city of Atlantis on, on the um, seabed. Yes, in the do they? Island. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I've seen yeah. programs on it. Yeah, they, they think yeah. they found it. Yeah. Um, they found um, basically temples, you know, like man-made stone structures yeah. on the on the right. They're on the seabed yeah. in the Bermuda Triangle. <gasps> I've seen it. Yeah. My goodness. And there are all sorts of things that, that there are a whole host of reasons. And also, I mustn't, I must tell you before I forget, we got the, because they were doing it, we got the Danish meteorological office, right? Okay. Mm. Who had, who were, had bought some time on a satellite and they were doing a survey of the earth's magnetic field. Mm. And we said to them, look, just, just so we can kind of keep the science going on this, can you um, 
analyze the data that you get on the Bermuda Triangle to see if there's anything anomalous about it or, or different or strange or interesting. And um, I, I interviewed this bloke from the Danish Meteorological Office, nice Danish man, when we got back to London, and he had a piece of paper with a printout. And I kid you not, he had run a really straightforward interrogation of the data and got it to print out any area that was higher than 0.001% difference in the magnetic field, mm. okay? And guess what? He passed me a triangle well. from exactly where we were, saying that area is 0.05, which is massive, higher in its electromagnetic field than, than anywhere else um, around it. Why? It was why? why do you think why? that? Yeah, why do you, what do well, you think? I, I, I think the, the Earth is constructed of a whole load of, um, as part of its kind of, if you think of its electromagnetic field, not its gravitational field, but its electromagnetic field, which um, is all to do with the um, Van Allen belt and um, um, uh, how... Um, compasses work at the north and south pole if you think of it being like orange segments okay like a terry's chocolate orange mm. um i think that the earth is a series of, of um, shapes like that but also go across it into a sort of what's called a geodetic structure so there are all these cells around the earth's electromagnetic field where some of them are stronger than others because there's a really massive one in the south atlantic called the south atlantic anomaly which is um, really weird, like compasses don't work. The same, same around the poles, and the poles are all moving. And the pole, the North Pole has moved seven hundred kilometers in the last mm. ten years. Well, that's that's not that's not that's like two inches amount. to the left. It's no, it's a massive amount, and it and they've had to recalibrate GPS. Uh, they did it last year to um, allow for the fact that the North the North Pole has has shifted. That's and scary. And so it seems like everything everything's moving around. So. I think that there are sections around, I think there are lots of Bermuda Triangles around the world, like the South China Sea and um, um, uh, South Alaska. And I think that um, spirits and aliens, and I'm not sure if they're the same thing actually, but um, I think they use it as a, as a form of movement and um, yes. warping between dimensions. Like a wormhole. But where it's really powerful, stuff happens and, and it's, it's, I mean, apart from the fact you get a lot of idiots in the uh, Bermuda Triangle area who set off, you know, to navigate on it in a boat using um, a hire car map. Mm. Promise you this is true. And they get lost and planes crash there. But I mean, there have been so many um, very odd disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle that no one's ever been able to explain. And we met this bunch of people in a bar in um, halfway down the, the Florida Keys one night and I said to them look you know you're all locals you'll go fishing you know this whole area have you ever seen anything really weird happen and there were about nine of them and, and they were being they were being very serious about this and they weren't sort of trying to wind us up but they, they tried to tell me the story where they had two boats like a bunch of friends in one bunch of friends in the other just off Nassau which is right in the middle of the triangle and we, we went there and they were going along fishing and this fog um came along like a sort of weird sea fog that kind of rolled in suddenly and the temperature drops really yeah. fast you can't see anything it yeah. kind of rolled in across them and then kept going and when it went their friends had also gone and they never found them they never found their boat 
no, nothing, not a life jacket, not a survivor. They just disappeared. And they said, we can't explain it because they were like, you know, 50 feet away from us. Jesus. <clears throat> Does anything strange of animals happen in the Bermuda Triangle? Um, well, animals behave... Okay, animals are very, very um, connected to electromagnetic fields. Mm -hmm. um, it's how turtles um, migrate, um, birds use it, um, <laughs> uh, whales use it. And the reason I'm laughing is because I just suddenly realised I know so much about this subject and I have no idea why. Anyway, um, there is this, they, they, there's this um, mineral in the Earth's surface called magnetite. Okay, there's, there's loads of it. I mean, almost, the crust of our Earth is almost made of it. Mm. There's a lot of it. And animals have it in the bottom of their brains. And, the, and because oh. it's electromagnetic, it helps them navigate. It's like that little kind of GPS. Because we always ask, how do they know where yeah, they're how going? How do they know? How yeah. do they know? That's how they know where they're going. Because, and what, because the Earth, because the poles are moving, they're tending to get confused because everything is changing so quickly. And, and you can literally have a turtle, well, because we tried actually, we, we filmed it. If you put a turtle in a big bath of water, it'll swim along. And if you move a big magnet around it, it'll change direction and it'll swim towards magnet. It can't see the magnet because it's like you've got it below the yeah, little yeah. bath. But as you move it around, it will change direction and it will keep swimming towards the magnet. Well, it's it's it like it's being pulled. Uh... Well, it, it, it's just, it's changing its, it's changing its um, magnetic reference. And it's the same with birds. And it's one of the reasons why I think um, whales, dolphins... Yeah, um, they beach birds, themselves in their hundreds. ...and beach and stuff like that. I mean, there are lots of reasons why they do it. Um, underwater explosions is one, um, but an illness is another one. But um, I think the electromagnetism is so important. It's, 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 it's how we see ghosts. It's what they use to appear to us. It's a really, really dominating force in nature and in the spirit world. And... The more research I've done about this and the more that I've looked into it, the more I realise how important it is. Right, just explain that bit again, how ghosts use that. <laughs> For ghosts to manifest, I think they have to use um, a lot of energy mm. and they use um, schisms or splits or breaks in the electromagnetic field to penetrate from their world into ours. So that's why they're able to appear um, momentarily as a fully formed thing mm. or why they appear on a regular basis mm. you know people sort of say oh the ghost of the horseman da, 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 yeah who um, appears on on the um on the ridge i think that um they're caught in a sort of energetic feedback where that um split in the electromagnetic field between the dimensions opens up and they're able to cross it and some of them mm. are able to cross it on a regular basis because they're caught in this kind of feedback thing where they just they're just sort of stuck. And when 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 the electromagnetic field changes, they're able to um, penetrate between the worlds. So it's either kind of like as a one-off thing when and someone says, oh, "I've seen a ghost, I've seen a ghost," you know, and you never see it again. But the ones where people see the headless lady, the horseman, the or whatever, the soldier, or the woman or the who soldier, you know. Yeah. Um, and why they why more than one person sees them over you know period of years years and years yeah that's why is is it's a regular it's a regular change in the electromagnetic field so that's residual energy then in other words yeah yeah now and as well do does it have a connection to ley lines as well how they how they yes. work 
I think I think ley lines are part of the geodetic structure of the electromagnetic fields of the Earth, which is a really long sentence, yeah. but that's basically it. And I think ley lines are part of that. Like, for instance, all these temples around the world, like um, like Glastonbury, Tor, um, Angkor, uh, Wat in um, um, is it Malaysia? That temple that looks like a big pineapple. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. But there are all these places like that. In, in, a, in a band around the world at a funny angle and um, southern Alaska as well and and this this if you draw it around the earth it's it's, it's like putting a um, you know like a bangle over the earth and all these places are on it and the theory is that that used to be north south because the earth has you know because the earth does shift its north south and magnetic poles constantly over history they change all the time and and people think that the reason they built them on that was because they built the north north south on the on the um you know oh. to match the north south yeah i could go Makes with that sense. so do you think when it magically realigns again something magical will happen i think i think magical things happen on a daily basis it's just you know not necessarily there to see it or or aware of it i think that the um the ebb and flow of um, time and space and the spirit world is a, is a constant source of magic and wonder you just have to be there to um, see it or and, experience it if you're and, lucky. And open your mind to see or experience it, not close it off and think it's all rubbish, but open your mind and be open-minded to explore these things. Well, I love Simon, yeah. he's so bloody Well, listen, that took, a, that took a turn that I never expected it to take. This is and the I, thing. <laughs> I've left this very knowledgeable, I'd like to think. We said at the beginning of this show, right, let's not drive Simon mad with 300 questions. And let's talk about <laughs> ghost stories. But it's impossible not to, because this fella is so, you know, when I talked about him weeks and weeks ago on the show, I said, this fella just knows everything. And he's fascinating and he's well-educated in everything. It, it, you know, he's well-educated in it. So... I find he says something, then I need to ask another question. Then, and then I end up taking over everything. Freddie hasn't got a word because Simon's so fascinating. But right, Freddie, now you can ask Simon some questions. Okay, then. <laughs> we Watch can... this. Get ready, Simon. I can't help it this time, come. and I just have Quick to... Quick fire questions. <laughs> Let's go. No, I, what I was going to lead into is maybe some of your... Um, most terrifying experiences or experiences that have stuck with you or that stick out in your head? Okay, I, I think I think probably the most graphic example and the scare, one of the scariest things that have happened to me was when we were at Noth Fort. Now, Noth Fort is um, like a big um, stone donut um, that overlooks uh, Weymouth Harbour, okay? And it was built by uh, Victorians or something as a defence thing. And it's famously haunted, and um, people go there to, for, um, you know, um, investigations and stuff. And it's a lovely, lovely place as well. But we've been there all night. Me um, and Jenny and um, our other um, presenter had been having experiences um, all around the place. And I'd been channeling a dead um, soldier who had died of stomach cancer, and um, uh, Jenny... Um, channeled a nun no not a nun a nurse um who had um who had also died there and we were at the right at about one or two o'clock in the morning we were in what's called the gun room which is where they used to 200 years ago they had a massive howitzer kind of gun with a big barrel like that yeah yeah there to sort of blow up any ships that came towards weymouth um, as defense 
And we had three electromagnetic field meters. Um, I was there with um, a guy called Dave Golden, who um, does investigations and lots of other things. He, he's from Weymouth and knows Northport really well, knows the area really well. And he had one um, digital one that just had numbers on it. And um, we had um, one with lights on it. And then my um, um, other one that, sh that kind of has a indicator that goes up there. Uh -huh. Yeah, okay. And, we, and we, we put them down. And we could feel something coming in. It, and it wasn't nice. It was like an approaching train. You could sort of like feel it coming. Mm. And I said, oh, my God, I can feel something coming. And as I said that, all three of these meters went, but all the same. And we filmed it. So it's like, you know, I wasn't, I'm not making this up. Um, we filmed it and you could see all the meters go like this. And I, and I said to this entity, which I, which I connected to, I said, I recognize and respect you for what you are. You're a very powerful en entity, aren't you? And it was talking to me through the meters. It was going like that. Mm. So every time I asked a question, um, it would bounce up like that. And Dave Golden was kind of going, oh, my God, I've never seen anything like this. I just don't understand what's going on. Is there anything under the desk? And he was looking around trying to figure out what was doing it, but there, there was no power on. We were, in the, we were in the darkness. And this thing was frightening. Mm. It was, I, I'm not even quite sure what it was, but I think we'd somehow opened up a portal and the girls were kind of, were crying and um, saying, oh, come on, let's go home, let's go home, let's go home. But I said, no, I can't. I said, I've never seen anything like this. And I, and I haven't, I've never seen such a massive physical uh, proof. Intelligent of response. Something, something being there. Mm. And we, we did... Um, Dave did go back like a week later and had a look around and he, he took some more readings, nothing, exactly the same place, nothing. Because he, he thought maybe there was like a big electrical cable or something yeah. underneath the desk. Good, um, like good good um, to check it out. And um, there wasn't anything. And as I say, we'd had the power isolated um, so that um, there was no electricity. Just We're just using our um, camera lights, whatever. And... This went on for about 40 minutes and I, mm. and I was connected to this thing and it's like I was really protecting myself because it wanted to kind of come into me. It wanted mm. to kind of evade me and it's like, no, mate, <laughs> you're not going here. Not today. Yeah. Not in those trainers, not in those horns. Yeah. And it was a demon. It was a demon. Yeah. And what it was doing there, where it turned up from, God knows, but it, it, was, it was a thing and um, I couldn't see it. But, you know, if you think of something like Baphomet or that kind of classic, yeah, yeah. horrible, scaly creature yeah. with horns and a beard and the face of a goat or, mm. you know, like a black, scaly, horrible scarab beetle on its back legs, that was it. Full on, yes. proper demon. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a no from me as well, I reckon. <laughs> it just appeared. I mean, like, you know, I could understand that um, dead soldiers or the kind of the ghosts of... Um, conscripted men or ensigns or sailors or whoever they were but, well, this, thing, but this thing just like kind of gone right well you, you, you've got the portal open here I am yeah, Hi, but that's what they say when you have a lot of death and you have a lot of bad death that's when demons thrive and that's where they come and stay they feed off that death and that energy well, they from these for all sorts of reasons but, yeah. um, 
and they hadn't had a lot of death. I mean, they'd had a few fights that had resulted in, in you know, between the soldiers. Um, and I, I channeled one somewhere else in the fort that night, and he'd had his throat cut, and I could feel the blood coming out of my throat. And my, I could feel my throat flapping like an open oh. mouth. God, that's yeah. horrible. And, and I, I was coughing and kind of groaning, and it was really, pretty grim. Um, and th that was th that was uh, that was definitely the, um, the the spirit of a dead soldier showing me how how he died because I could just feel it. And the same with the uh, the guy, the um, quite senior um, soldier who died of um, um, stomach cancer. So when when this dark dark thing came. And you was having this interaction with him. What kind of questions were you asking? What were the answers you was getting? I know obviously those it was communicating through. Well, it was EMF. things like, "What are you? Um, mm. um, why are you here? Um, what do you want? Mm. Um, um, do you want to kind of, you know, take me? Do you want to take? Do you want to take me on? Are you looking for an adversary?" It was very combative yeah. and um, hostile, and um, felt like it. It was, it was kind of like a demonic shark. It just felt like it was looking for something to feed on. Yeah, maybe yeah. a vampire. Certainly. Maybe a vampire. Yeah, because you get you get spiritual vampires. You get you get energy sucking demons who you can't see, who get attached to you. And I spend a lot of my time removing these things from my clients, and. You know, in this day and age, everyone's obsessed with vaccines and health and, um, you know, the um, the here and now. Talking about blood-sucking vampires or energy-sucking vampires is pretty weird. But they are a thing. And they are a th they, they've always been around. And um, I think that they are a certain kind of um, creature who's I tried agree, to yeah. Yeah. evade me before. And they're, they're not sort of like... Transylvanian Christopher yeah, Price yeah. vampires. They're they're a race of um, um, energy creatures. takers, energy stealers. Simon, can yeah. you do this stuff absently, or do you have to be in the location when you're what, saying about your clients? Clear something. Yeah. I I I I kind of want to say that I that I need to be there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can I can sense it remotely, and part of part of my life is that. Um, I, I will randomly pick up on something really great or really horrible or a horrible murder or something that's floating around. It just kind of, I pick up on it and it's, it's not very, very scientific or, um, it, but if there's something which, I don't know, it's just like, it comes on my frequency. I just tune into that station and I get it. Mm. Um, and I may not get something else, but I'll get that. And, and I, don't, I don't know why that is, but, um, um, it may be something that's happening on the on the other side of the world. I mean, if if, if there's something really bad going on, like the Chinese are murdering lots of Tibetans, or I don't know. I mm -hmm. mean, no offense to the Chinese, but I mean, as an example, or there's some sort of violence going on in Africa or anywhere, or something's about to happen. I mean, like you know, I can't even tell you about nine eleven, the day before nine eleven. Um, I get a horrible feeling of um, impending doom, mm. but also I get I get great feelings about impending love and light and and um, mm. nice things happening. But um, you know, it's it's like I'm a well, I'm like a radio, just pick stuff up. It depends what channel you're on. 
Yeah, you know, exactly, we might yeah. be tuning into Love FM today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. or, or, disa- or Disaster 106. I suppose, <laughs> I, I suppose you get what you're supposed to get. Yeah. Simon, I just I just love having him on. Well, our listen, time's running out no, now. No, but, but I've got two questions. If you could yeah. do some, Right. What's our love and light? And we've not got any vampires with us. I need to know that. Oh, no, you're fine. Yes. <laughs> I, can't, I can't speak for her. <laughs> I, have, I am the blood-sucking vampire. <laughs> no, no, no. Freddie, you're, you're absolutely fine. Oh, that's, yeah. all, that's, all, um, that's all that matters. We do actually need a conversation off air, uh, Simon, actually, in the week yeah, sometime. Yeah, Vanessa's a whole, a whole bag of tricks, and that's a whole different thing. <laughs> um, you know, she's, she's a very old soul. Yeah. I think that you were Ursula Kemp, which I've told you before. Yeah. And yeah, you've said that's that why you me. feel so connected to that place and why you feel such a great sense of injustice about it. Yeah. Um, and I think that you've lived many times. I think you're a witch. So do I, um, yeah. I, well, I, I, I was a witch in one life. I, I, I was born well, knowing that. Mm. Mm. Once a witch, always a witch. Yeah. See, be aware, Freddie. Be aware. <laughs> right, so, so listen. You, you, you have a loss. You have a loss of souls and entities around you. You always have. I, I when always you have. Me the first time, like nine years ago. Yeah. When you you've been on the um, the run. <laughs> you you no you rang me up. I just been no, on you that show. Me. You. Oh no! You'd emailed me and I'd rang you. You've that's, reached that's out wrong. to me. That's, You've reached out. That sounds about You've right. You've reached out to me, so I rang you. It would have been vodka and coke. I'm not a big roll fan. Right, <laughs> question. No, no, that was that was kind of it. I just wanted if you. I thought, well, can you do give us a quick double check and once over, make sure we're doing all right. Um, you're. You've had experiences of, though, of this, though, and and the reason you're so interested in this show and why you like doing this show is because you do have a natural spiritual connection to the subject, and you have had experiences in the past. You had experiences when you were a child um, of being uh, contacted by spirits. You've seen spirits, mm. and you are connected to the spirit world. That's why you're doing the show, and that's mm-hmm. why you are the person that you are. And your house... Uh, is a portal. What, his house, his childhood house he used to live in, or where he lives now? Because he lives in a flat now. Oh, the house he used to live in. Oh, the, the um, Coltis Road, but, yeah. but that's because you're a portal. So no matter where you live, it will have a portal, because you're the portal. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But, and you bring but, it with you. you but you're, you're fine, you're clean, you don't have anything attached to you. That's all that matters, isn't it? Yeah. But I can't say the same for Vanessa. Yeah. I know, we do need to... I should be kicking off. her out sharpish then. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's all contained. And, and um, she's basically, a, uh, Vanessa, as you know, is basically a, a lovely soul. And um, there's nothing wrong with her. It's just that because she's a witch, she just naturally, you know, Vanessa knows this, um, naturally um, they're attracted to her. We, we find each other and there is a great sense of, of natural knowing that you sometimes can't even articulate, but when when you meet somebody who is, uh, you know, like a um, an old soul who uh, is on the sort of the same wavelength, you just know and you click with them. There's stuff you don't need to say to each other, and we we get um, strength and energy from each other. But we just do. It's like you find your spiritual posse in life. I mean, there are people in your life who are part of your spiritual posse. That is true. That is true. 
I like that. You have. I, mean, I, 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 I was, I was a, um, a crusader, and I, I went to fight in the Battle of Jaffa. Mm. And I've met a few people who I rode with, who, when I talk about the experience and the horses and the smell of the of the leather, the smell of the horses, and the and the um, um, metal clinking of the of the swords and the chain mail, and everything, they can they can smell it. Yeah, that the sight. Yeah, half of them female too, by the way. Oh. It's, it's it's an it just opens up an entire new different subject. Simon, we're at our hour, but I'm going to say this. I want Simon on again now. I know Simon, you said <laughs> that you couldn't because you could only do this week because you got super super busy. But can we maybe do something November December time? Give you you know because because I, I, there's so many more things I want to talk to you about and, and for our Always listeners' happy benefit. To come on and whiffle away. I, I, I mean, I can talk to you on the phone in the week, but I want. Our listeners to hear you. I we, I want them to to hear this and Freddie. So because you're a fantastically interested man you and are. you have taught me no end today. And Freddie's actually quite intelligent. Freddie actually got into Cambridge and Oxford University. You know, he his scores are that good. Both of them, not at the same time. No, <laughs> but Freddie is actually deceptively. He, you wouldn't think he was actually very intelligent. Now you know me, Simon. I couldn't add up two and two. Or You'd spell never a word. know. You'd never know. Honestly. <laughs> but I have listen. I have skills in in other areas, not not particularly academically. So we've but, heard. Uh, right. I'm just gonna. <laughs> Listen, you took it there, not well, me. Well, hold on a minute. I was talking about your ironing. <laughs> right, listen. Um, so finish off then, Freddie. I think. It's, no, it's no just... I, I think I think we just want to end it with again another another massive massive thank yeah, you, Simon. Yeah, God, just again, so because, interesting. Because you were just a, a fountain of a knowledge. knowledge. This yeah, is why it's I... weird, isn't it? I, I, it's um. Yeah, I just. Simon, there's not many I people like you. I think there's not one topic I could throw at you well, that you couldn't tell me something, something on, about. Exactly, and, and some stuff he literally knows. He's like a bloody scientist. Well, listen, guys, you come here for one thing, and you've got the the whole lot. We've yeah, we've we were covered... supposed to be doing easy going ghost stories tonight. We've ended up interrogating about bloody <laughs> magnetic. God knows what's and Bermuda Triangles and still fascinating and I still I've got another 300 questions that I want to ask Simon so you guys can hear the answer because I'll be asking them in the week or next week after driving in mad on a Sunday afternoon or something but you guys really need to um you know definitely and Freddie as well you know just and it, and actually if there's any questions that you guys want to ask Simon you know there's a good chance he's going to know the answer or have a, a perspective or, or have an idea about it so so um yeah, as always, guys, um, you can follow our socials. All of that will be in the episode description. Our email address will be in the episode description. Um, I know as well, I linked it last time, but Simon has a website. He has books. He has all kinds of accidental things. Accidental Wizard, uh, Gabriel's no, Liar. No, not Accidental Wizard. No, that's his book, Accidental Wizard. Oh, okay. His email is the other one. Oh, accidental, right. <laughs> accidental Wizard, Gabriel's Liar. We will put again. Oh, yeah, you're right. You are yeah, right. Yeah, we will put up all uh, the links to Simon. So again, check him out yourself when you're sitting at home, not doing much. Listen, look into this fella because he's certainly someone to. You've only got to Google him, really. Google him. To be fair, yeah. You know, <laughs> things things pop and up. If you want to ask him a question, Ooh, just being googled. Yeah, personally, please please get to us because I know he'd like Simon. I mean. If any of our she's volunteered you for the service already. She I've got questions. You no. mind? You know, listen. These questions aren't pre-set up, so Simon can Google a bloody dictionary. If there's anything anyone wants to ask him, just just because he does know a lot about a lot of things. 
as I've always said. That's why we're going to get him on a third time. Poor, poor, <laughs> poor, poor Simon. Poor Simon. All right, Simon, thanks very much, darling. Great pleasure. Lovely to, lovely to chat to you both. And you, you look after yourself. And listen, guys, be good, be safe, be honest. Have a blessed week. Ciao for now. Bye.